friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. She? She's house cat. Hey, why are we stopping? Hey, you gonna kick us out? What? Kick you two out and lose a captive audience? Hi, I'm Cat. All these guys are too much. Can I ask you a personal question? What the hell do you get out of all this? Get? That's what screws everybody up. Get, get, get. Me, I just give. Doesn't sound like much of a life to me. Yeah, well, let me tell you. It's a roof over my head. It's being on one damn big carousel with a lot of famous people. It's a bed every night, and, and I don't care who's, and neither do they. So just bug out. You can find Fort Worth Roots on all your favorite streaming services. You can also get us online at fortworthroots.com. We are also on YouTube. Just look for Fort Worth Roots. Information on all of our sponsors and events that we have coming up will be at the end of the episode. This episode is sponsored by Roofing Solutions by Darren Houck. You can find them at roofingsolutionshouk.com or 817-882-6520. Just by mentioning the Fort Worth Roots podcast, you get 50% off on a much-needed roofing tune-up. Again, that's 817-882-6520. Our guest today is a producer and an actor. He is currently shooting a series here in Fort Worth called Bailout. You can find the first two episodes, and we will have links to that in the show notes. He was also a stand-in and stunt double for actor Robin Williams. You might recognize that name. I was very excited to meet this guy and get to hear a little bit about his life and some of his stories. We're going to have him back on the show. We did not actually talk about uh, Robin Williams very much or all that good stuff. So we definitely have to get him back here uh, inside the Fort Worth Roots studio. Okay, that's enough out of me. Thank you all for being here. Give it up for our guest today, Dennis O'Neill. And let's start the show. Did you hear him? Yeah, there's a script that that you have that he knows you finished Who? To, to give him. The script that you're going to give Paul today. You remember? Angie, you're supposed to be on my side. I'm on your That's side, Dennis, thought. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you from the neighborhood? <laughs> I am, I am. So this will get piped in later, but this is the little intro for the show. And we're here with Dennis O'Neill, a local Fort Worth artist that is in the middle of a web series called bailout and you play a detective and do you want to go into details about that before i start messing it up <laughs> yeah we're on wow this we're, is pretty yeah. cool i like this um wow no setup finally <laughs> this is what i've been I, i've been asking for something like this yeah it's about a new york city detective who has a run-in with the mob uh and the mob wants to whack him now uh -huh. And so he goes to Fort Worth to take over his uh, late uncle's failing bail bonds business that he inherited, and the mob follows him, and instead of whacking him, they end up liking him, so they work for him as bounty hunters. And uh, so my character, Jimmy O'Neill, was a part of the mob, but he was only uh, like an associate because he was half Irish and he was half Sicilian, but... You have to be all Italian to be in the mob. Right. Of course. Yeah. To get in the club. Yeah, you know, because, um, you know, if you're all Italian, then uh, you're the right guy, you know? <laughs> Half Irish, forget about it. We completed two episodes. Okay. 
So what I did was I started writing this in 2007 after I had an audition for, I forgot what it was for, but it was a Judd Hirsch type of a character. And of course I know who Judd Hirsch was or is, he's still alive. Um, So I went there and the casting director really liked it. And she said, look, I'm not gonna wait till I call your agent. I'm just gonna ask you now, can you come to a callback on Thursday? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I, I went there on Thursday and she had, I guess the, the guy was 21 years old, her assistant, she couldn't make it. And so I sit there and I had a sweater on, kind of like what Judd Hirsch used to wear on Taxi, okay. the, the TV the comedy show. And so he said to me, uh, so this is a Judd Hirsch kind of a character. And you know, I didn't want to do an, Im- an impersonation of the character. So I just gave a flavor of him. And he said, okay, um, can we do that again? I said, yeah, absolutely. What do you want me to do? He said, well, this is a Judd Hirsch kind of a character. And I'm looking at this 21-year-old kid and I'm thinking, am I in the right place? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know, you know. He said, well, you know who Judd Hirsch was. Now I really wanted to strangle the kid because I took it as an insult. I mean, I grew up watching Taxi. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, I know who he is. And I said to myself, do you know who he is? So he said, well, he's kind of effeminate. And I'm just looking at him and all these thoughts are going going through my mind. And I'm thinking, okay, the kid's 21 years old, nothing wrong with that but he hasn't a clue who Judd Hirsch was or is. (laughs) And he said, could you play it a little more effeminate? And, you know, I wasn't going to play the typical, you know, quote unquote, gay type. So I played it a little more effeminate. And he said, okay, thank you. So I, I get outside, I'm in the hallway, and now I'm thinking, okay, so she wasn't there and she knows me. And she knows my acting ability. And he's going to send this in to the director and the producer who knows that Judd Hirsch was an intellectual. He wasn't effeminate in any way. And then I I could have kicked myself. If I could reach, I would have kicked myself. And I thought, why did I give in to him? Why didn't I just say, no, I'm not going to play it that way. That's not Judd Hirsch. So I went home and I said, "Um, I'm... I'm going to write my own ticket. I can't take this. So auditioning for people and you put your life and career in their hands, uh, which I understand, you know, the audition process. I understand that. But um, there's just times that, you know, you just feel like you shortchanged yourself. And that's what I felt like. Sure. Yeah. So I went home and I started writing Bailout. Now, <clears throat> at that point, was that the first time that you'd stepped out on your own to do your own art? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in 07 now. We're in 07. Yeah. Now, I did a show prior to that, which I don't want to say the name of it because I don't want it to get any publicity, <laughs> but I did a show prior to that with those words in the name, mm-hmm. 
but uh, my character was married like five times a, a used car salesman he was a loser and his wife in the divorce gave him a bail bonds office in texas and so i didn't want my character to be like that and um my dad was my dad always wanted to be a new york city cop but he was five six and at the time they had a height limit so could never do it what like six foot you needed to be well you needed to be i think you needed to be over five nine i believe dang neither one of us could have done it either no (laughs) (laughs) and um and i you know i I always i always liked i i I went to ps32 and there's this guy bill bill the cop and um he was i mean he was a real cop but he would do the crosswalk for the kids. And I would always just hang out on the corner just watching him doing, doing all of that. And one day he gave me a whistle and he gave me a little badge. <laughs> he said, why don't you be my assistant? I thought, wow, this is great. So I always liked cops. My older brother wanted to be a cop, but he, he never fulfilled that. And so I made my character a New York City cop, nice. a detective. Yeah. Who was, in his younger days, who was involved with the mob. So when did uh, when did you make the move here to Fort Worth and what made you want to do this project here in, in Fort Worth, Texas? So I moved here in about 1988 or 89. I was doing a lot of motivational speaking around the country. And so I came to Texas six times and I would speak in schools and prisons and churches and any, any place that had an audience Mm -hmm. and i would get invited so i came here like six times and my wife wanted to move here and i said no i'm in new york i'm i'm gonna live in new york till the day i die (laughs) and i kind of liked texas kind of i liked the people and i liked um everyone was so nice and you know it was just different and and i loved seeing men and women with their cow gear on because you don't get to see that unless you go to a certain place in new york city you would see it but um you don't see that and you know i just found that fascinating that people that was their style that's what they would do you know growing up in brooklyn we wore leather jackets and things like that and you know i I just i i really dug that style (laughs) and um so i said all right let's try it for a year i'm still here nice so what i tell people is um i heard god lived in fort worth and uh that's why i moved here but then i found out that he uh vacations in brooklyn so. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah the probably the heat i would think would be the first thing you'd notice in that first year oh man it was so it was i forgot the month that my wife said it was august i think but it was 92 93 degrees at night like 10 o'clock at night in new york (laughs) 80 degrees we're steaming yeah and 93 at night so we were in the pool and funny thing i just thought of this i know you didn't ask but i'm just gonna tell you i want to know i do yeah i know you do (laughs) you do so the day we moved in we got everything in two things happened that was strange the guy that helped me move in um he was affiliated with this church i started to go to down here and um 
when we were all done, he said, Dennis, I want to hear your New York accent again because you got some thick New York accent. And I said, I looked at him, I said, excuse me? So he has this, I call it Southern accent. I guess, do, does Texans I consider themselves Southern? I don't know. Well, well we're Texan. Oh, th- yeah, that's it. It's a whole so different thing. that's what I found out. So Texas is a whole new country. Mm-hmm, and yeah. did you know that <laughs> since I've been here, I've been working towards this. I just got my green card. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. it's a process. Yeah, yeah because they, they believe that New Yorkers are in another country as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, but I fell in love with Texas, and I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. I really can't. I, I really love it. So, um, yeah, so I was doing these motivational things, but uh, let me get to the story that I wanted to tell you. So that night, we went to the convenience store. Yeah, it was like, I don't think it was a 7-Eleven. What's the big stores that you guys have here? Yeah, Stripes, QTs, Racetracks. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a QT or a Racetrack. So we got all of our food and uh, it was late at night. It was almost midnight and I'm getting ready to take my money out. And the woman said, so how y'all doing? And this is what I did. Now, I know they can't see me, but I looked up and I said, what? She said, how y'all doing? And I I looked at my wife. I looked at the door to see if anybody was by the door. And I said, I'm doing good. Why? Why'd you ask? And she said, um, what? (laughs) I said, that's just what you do around here. (laughs) Yeah, why did you ask me how I'm doing? What's next? She said, I don't know. I just thought I'd ask. Look, where we grew up in Brooklyn and Long Island, people don't ask you how you're doing. Yeah. There's got to be something. And if they do, there's, there's something behind it. Yeah. 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 And then we found out this is the way people are. So I put that in my show, Bailout. Nice. Uh, I go into a convenience store. The woman says, how you all doing? And I go through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is uh, the first time I'd ever been exposed to kind of the, the counterculture the reverse of, of what i'm used to but i walked into a convenience store and i mean it's the sun's out it's three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that and i had a kind of a layover situation i was stuck in in phoenix for the night and i walk in there i'm gonna get myself a six-pack of beer i'm gonna walk back to the hotel now on the way, way to the gas station which is maybe a city block or two away i don't notice anything I walk in there, get my beer, go up to the counter, and it's a 60-something-year-old woman with neon pink hair, (laughs) and she's the only one working the store, and I go up there, and I put my beer up, and she says, that can be it? I said, yes, ma'am, it is, and she looked at me, and she goes, honey, you take your ass inside, and you don't come back outside until the sun comes up. You don't know where you are, do you? And I'm like, what? did i do wrong and she goes look behind you you see that bleach spot on the floor that's the reason i'm here i don't work at this location the lady last night got shot she's dead now you will be too if you don't go inside everybody around here knows that you're not from the area whoa you can't go around talking to people like that yes ma'am and stuff oh and so i got my beer and i i, I was like thank you i don't what <laughs> i didn't know how to respond call. Man. so i walked out of the the doors and now it's like the blinders are off and i can see there's a a crackhead in the middle of the intersection staring up at the sky cars are honking going by at 50 miles an hour and he's just kind of wandering through traffic 
and there's all these guys that have accumulated right around the store. I don't know if they were there when I walked in. I don't even remember seeing them, but just really rough-looking dudes. Wow. And as soon as I came out at the door, they're like, hey, man, let me talk to you real quick. And I'm like, that's okay. And I just kept walking. <laughs> yeah. And on the way back to the hotel, and this is the thing that I'll really never forget, is the, there was a guy on a bicycle, and he's on my left, and he's in between me and a, a fence, and I'm walking and he gets close enough to me. I go, hey, how you doing? And he damn near fell off his bike. <laughs> I didn't yell at him. I didn't, I, but I, I probably waved and, hey, how you doing? And he just, yep, just about fell off his bicycle. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's different here. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, you know, we, we noticed it a lot when we went to, um, oh, what's that area? Um, where the, the Fort, steer. Were you in Fort Worth? Yeah. Oh, where the stockyards. Come out, stockyards. Yeah. Um, People tip their hat to you, mm -hmm. say how you doing, and man, it's 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 really refreshing. I really like it. It's so different than New York um, that I really like it. So yeah. Now, when you say New York, were you in the city? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, actually, I still have an apartment in Manhattan. Uh, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, you're paying for that? <laughs> no, no, I sublease it to friends. Okay. <laughs> so I have I have somebody there right now, and. Um, She's taking care of it, and, and uh, I don't know why I kept it. I mean, I kept it because I loved going back to New York. Yeah. I don't love it as much as I used to yeah. um, because it's it's just so bad now. It's just so bad. Um, you know, Asian women are getting knocked out by these guys um, unaware, just, and people are getting shot, and it's just, it's... It's not the New York that I grew up in, but yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn also, so that that's really different than Manhattan. Yeah, actually, we we, we would get together in Brooklyn and say, "Hey, let's let's walk over the Brooklyn Bridge, go into Manhattan," and so sometimes when I would play hooky, that's what I would do. That's a long walk. It's a big yeah. bridge. Yeah, but you know, being little kids, we don't we didn't think that. We just thought, "Wow, it's exciting." Yeah. And then when you got to the middle of the bridge, you know, you saw everything. Then we get to the Manhattan side. We didn't know what to do. So we just look around, say, okay, let's go back home. We made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember doing dumb stuff like that when I was a kid, too. You just go on these little adventures, right? Yeah. Without the adult supervision, who's going to stop you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, whenever you... Uh, started to move into the working class workforce uh what am i trying to say here whenever you got your first job when you started building your career and moving towards acting like oh. how, did, how did that progression take place well i'll tell you something my first film it wasn't bad um do we get to know the name of this one ah man all right <laughs> i never wanted to say it but now it's online teenage hitchhikers okay and I played, I had long hair, and I was a hippie, and I played a rock, a rock singer. And uh, we picked up these hitchhike girls, and um, I started singing to them, and that was my scene, basically. Uh, I, had some, I had some dumb dialogue about donuts, <laughs> a baker's dozen, I, I don't know. But anyway, so I hated it, um, and I didn't want to do it. So... But a friend of mine who had that role, he called me, he said, Dennis, listen, and he's an actor, mm -hmm. and I was a singer. He said, listen, I got this role, uh, but they want me to sing and play guitar. And he said, I don't, but you do. I said, oh, yeah, what, 
what does it consist of? He said, just sing and playing guitar. He said, here's the address, go down and meet the director. So I went down there and he took me in a studio, something like this, and he showed me a screen. And there was a guy playing a guitar with no strings. <laughs> and this is what he was literally doing. He was strumming going blah, 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 blah. That's all he was doing. And the director said, could you put words to that? I said, um, yeah. So I don't know how I did it. But you know, back then, I guess still today, if they asked you, can you do this? Yeah, of course I can. So this is just like an exercise. They're trying to see where your improv's at. Um, no, they really needed somebody to put words into what that guy was singing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, because they never used it. But I did it, and he said, okay, you got, you got the part. You got the job. I said, oh, huh. great, great. Um, so he gave me the address. It was in Jersey. Gave me the address. I brought my guitar and everything. And I was a van driver, and all I knew I was going to sing. Mm -hmm. You were going to pull up the side of the road, and we were hippies, so smoke a dope and sing and yada, yada, yada. Um, he said to me, okay, here's a script. I said, script for what? He said, for your lines. I said, well, I know the song. He said, no, your lines, your dialogue. <laughs> and I said, well, could you explain? He said, you're not just singing, you're acting in this. I said, wait a minute, I am not acting. I'm not an actor, I'm a singer. And he looked at me and said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm not doing it. He said, you have to do it, you're here. I said, I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm not an actor. And I'll tell you why in a minute that I was so so bent on not doing this. So he kept talking to me. He said, look, man, I, I'll give you 200 bucks. I said, give me the script. And uh, 200 bucks back then could have bought a lot of dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which I am not into now just for your listeners. No judgment. So, so why were you so adamant about not wanting to, to take an acting role? Okay, so when I was growing up, I was I a was pretty bad kid. I was always in fights. Um, I was just a bad kid. At the age of 12, I was smoking, drinking beer in the park, and I was just a bad kid. And um, they, they didn't know what to do with me. So I guess they thought, if we put him in a play... Maybe that'll help get his life together. And, um, you know, I was up for anything. I said, yeah, wow, yeah, okay. So I'd, I was in the play, and then opening night, I was not ready for opening night because for three or four weeks, we were in rehearsal. Nobody was in the theater. It's just us, the cast, and the director. But then opening night, when the curtains opened, the lights came up on the stage and you couldn't see the audience. That was a totally new experience for me. And I'm seeing all these kids in the, in the theater club doing these great monologues and things. And then it was my turn to come downstage and do my monologue. I was so nervous. I walked down there and if you go a little past the lights, you could see the whole audience. And that's what I did. I went just a little past. I saw the audience and I backed up I literally, in the ninth grade, literally peed in my pants in front of 500 people. Oh, my God, dude. And I mm, said, that's rough. I will never do this ever again. <laughs> this is it. Never. 
So when when I did that movie, that's that's all I could think of. I'm going to pee in my pants <coughs> in front of all these people. <laughs> but so I did it, and then I was telling after I became an actor, and I'll get back to all of that. But after I became an actor, I started teaching. And I told my students about my first movie, and I said, I'm not going to tell you the name of it. And um, so they, they kept asking me, and I had called Screen Actors Guild to get a copy of it, and they said, we can't find it. There, hmm. There's no copies. Um, we can't find this. But that got me in the union, so it was a little confusing. I I didn't know what was up with it, but I guess it was they stopped making tapes of it and so it couldn't be found so with that i felt confident and i told my students i say it was called teenage hitchhikers but you're not going to find it and i i would have been very happy if they didn't find it (laughs) um so a week later one of my students said found teenage hitchhikers (laughs) i said no you didn't she said yes i did (laughs) i said let me see it she said it's on youtube I said, no, it's not on YouTube. My heart dropped because I did not want them to see me in this movie. It wasn't, look, you're looking at a... I'm going to see if I can pull it up. Okay. <laughs> I think it's The Teenage Hitchhikers. Let's see if I can pull that up. So your your students got a copy of it. And yeah. Probably started sharing that link around. and. Yeah, yeah. Then I watched it. And the, what was embarrassing about it is... the the. Some of the actresses, two of them, were topless, and I didn't want my students to see that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and I thought I was terrible in it. So when I looked at it, I said, "Wow, I did pretty good as first-time actor." And uh, so I ordered the DVD, and I have it. <laughs> Are you finding Teenage it? Hitchhikers? Yeah. Yeah, I've got clips of it. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to look at this later. But uh, is there a van? Yeah. Uh, Here you go. Teenage, it's a clip. It's a four-minute four clip. Yeah. You're the they're one. running. I'm opening the door for them. <laughs> that's me. So now I give them this dumb dialogue. Yep. There I am. I looked a little like Geraldo Rivera back then. Let's uh, <laughs> let, let's do this for the listeners. Let's uh. <laughs> We can at least pipe in the, the audio. Okay, you might have to bleep some things out. Nah, know. we don't do that here. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. let's, let's see how cringy this is. I'm sorry to make you live this. That's all right. Let's stop that traffic light. Chicks want to lift. Let's go. And that's you talking there? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> let's go. Thanks. It's really black out there. Chicks have a destination. Runaway. This is gold, we're man. <laughs> I know. You might say we're heading for that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Forget it. There's no rainbow. There's no gold. Just some dirty old pots. Hey, what the hell are we stopping for? We have company. You hungry? Yeah. Help you yourself. Yeah. I'll be back there with my beautiful. <laughs> and then I sing this stupid song. Hi. I guess Hi. that's a good song. I'm Bomber. And that's Screamer. I'm Mouse, and this is my friend Bird. Hey, are you a group? Yeah, you an agent? What do you call yourselves? Energy crisis. 
Who's she? She's House Cat. Hey, why are we stopping? Hey, you gonna kick us out? What? Kick you two out and lose a captive audience? Hi, I'm Cat. All these guys are too much. You'll see. <laughs> it's a good thing we're just playing the audio because that woman had uh, yeah. no top on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> folks want to see the rest of this well like, wait we have oh, to hear me at least oh sing. yeah yeah okay let's yeah. do that so you don't have to keep I it d- i didn't know if i was bothering you or no <laughs> no <laughs> we'll keep it going wonder floats above the earth and watches from the distance through the oh, man bring back some memories oh yeah <laughs> And what uh, what was kind of the plot of this movie? Here? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. I didn't read the whole script. I just read my lines. I am and this was this was kind of the. Did you have any other parts in this this movie, or was this no much no it? that that whole thing was it? Yeah. Uh, so these two girls are going around the country hitchhiking, uh-huh. and it's all the experiences that they have basically. Okay. But that's all I I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, Paul wanted to hear me sing, so there you go. There you go, Paul. Paul, you have that contract? (laughs) How long have you been with the group? Do you like like Is that you on harmonica? No, that's uh, the other guy. I'm with them, that's what I do. Very cool. What about your parents? that was uh, a clip by Hope this doesn't hurt your feelings. Bad movie scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like <laughs> the that. The name of the uh, YouTube channel. I like that because you know what's coming? Mm. So you asked me about the whole career thing. Uh-huh. So that's when, you know, uh, I just felt that I did a terrible job. But first time, I when I saw it, I thought, okay, you know, for a hippie kind of a movie, I guess... I was natural. No, it, it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, but but it is a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so bad that they stopped distributing it. So they really did stop distributing it. I I don't know. Yeah, I I contacted. I think YouTube. Mm-hmm. Even the union couldn't get me a, a DVD. Mm. But the YouTube they sent me one. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. They sent you a DVD of a video that was on their platform. Yes, for fifteen bucks. What? That's yeah. so wild. Yeah. Um, but it looks like somebody just, and I don't know this, but just looking at the quality of the video that we just watched, that could have been a VHS to digital, like somebody took a tape and uploaded well, it off it of was, that. I think it was 16 millimeter mm-hmm. film that they shot it on. And yeah, then they probably did what just what you said. Yeah. So then I... I said, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do any acting. So my wife said to me, um, why don't you go back to school, become a teacher? I said, a teacher? I, I can't stand kids. Why would I want to be a teacher? <laughs> um, so I, I, now, Was this after you'd already made the move to Texas? No, this was way before Texas. Okay. 
So um, I went to Suffolk County Community College and I was online for non-credited courses and I was going to take all these music courses just to appease my wife. But what she didn't know uh, is that I quit high school. Mm. So I couldn't have gone to college anyway. Um, I mean, this is how bad I was. The assistant principal called me into his office and it was my junior year. He said, O'Neill, two things I'm going to tell you. One, you'll never make it in life. Two, you'll never make it to your senior year. Jeez. Go back to your class. And I thought, wow, what an encouraging guy. <laughs> so, um, so y'all probably don't talk anymore. N- no, no. Not, not one of the faculty that you kept up with over, no, over life. No, no. <laughs> and there are a couple that I did, but not him. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I squeaked by into my senior year. That week, I just got up out of class and I walked to his office and he said, what are you doing here? Go back to class. I said, I quit. He said, you quit what? I said, I quit school. <laughs> and I walked out. So for the next 10 years, I was working in factories. I was cleaning restaurants. I was a short order cook. Um, just nowhere jobs. So I didn't tell my wife that I quit. But I did go up to the school and I went on to the no, non-credited courses. And this counselor saw me. And he said, uh, what are you doing on this line? I said, well, I'm signing up for music courses. He said, why don't you go on that line? That's where you get credit. I said, oh, no, I, I can't go to school. No, I, I can't. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a high school diploma. Yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, but, you, you know, you, you can get all these, um, all this money and you can get all these grants and things like that. And I said, I'd like to, but I, he said, come to my office. And he was a big guy. Went to his office, he sat me down, he said, look, um, if I were you, I'd really consider going to school full time. He said, I can get you money for your books, food, um, extra money, yada, yada, yada. And I was a wheeler dealer kind of a guy. At the time, I was dealing drugs. So, you know, you come up with a good, money-making scheme i'm in on it i said really i can get all this money he said yeah i said look i quit high school he said you quit school i said man don't judge me yeah i, I quit school he said no no i'm not judging you get you more money well this is what he said he said this year this school started uh, this program if you go to if you quit school you go full time he said some of your credits would spill over because you'll have to take extra classes spill over you'll get your high school diploma i said really and i'll get all that money he said i'll get you even more i said sign me up nice so (laughs) sign me up and uh i needed one more uh elective course and i said well give me another music course because i was a full-time singer that's what i was doing and i also taught ballroom dancing at the time and um he said uh well we're out of music courses, so just take an acting course. And I went, no. It was like, no, no, I don't want to take an acting course. And I didn't want to tell him what happened <laughs> in the ninth grade. He said, Dennis, just take the acting course. All you'll do is read scripts, and you know, you'll get an A. I said, really, that's it? He said, yeah. I said, all right, sign me up. So he signed me up with this woman, Professor Harriet Novick. 
I sat down and we were reading and she was talking, yada, yada, yada. When the class was over, I was walking out. She said, Dennis O'Neill, I want to talk to you. I said, sure, what is it? She said, she looked me up and down and said, so you're a dancer? I said, well, I teach ballroom dancing. How do you know? She said, well, I'm a director. I, I observe people. And um, she said, I want you to audition for cabaret. I said, cabaret, you mean singing in a cabaret? She said, well, it's a musical. It's a play. And I thought, no way. <laughs> so I said, um, yeah, okay, all right. She said, seven o'clock tonight. I said, yeah, okay, I'll be there. But see, I was the type of a guy that, um, let's say you and I were talking and I really wasn't interested in what you had to say. <laughs> and you said, could you meet me here and we'll do this? I'll say, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll be there and never show up. <laughs> oh, shit. That's the kind of a guy I was. <laughs> so, so she, um, I didn't show up. 7.15, she calls me up. She says, where are you? And I said to her, where did you call me? She said, at your home, don't be a smart ass. And I said, look, I really can't do this. I, I just got married, I'm going to school full time. Um, it's taken a lot out of me and I'm working full time also. She said to me, get your ass down here in 15 minutes or this will be the worst year you've ever had. And she hung <laughs> up on me. Now I'm thinking she's gonna get all my money taken away from me. I, I can't let her do that. So I, I rushed down there and she said, okay, get up on the stage. <clears throat> so I get up on the stage and she said, uh, just say these lines. I said some lines. She said, walk back and forth. I walked back and forth and she, and she had these winding stairs for the play. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess in cabaret, Joel Gray, who had the part of the MC, he was walking up the stairs. She said, walk up the stairs and come down um, with a, um, I forgot the word she used, but I didn't know <clears throat> what it meant. And um, she said, just come down and give me a, uh, oh, what's, what's the word? What's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Um, it was kind of an evil laugh. Okay. And whatever the word was, I didn't know what it meant because I quit high school, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and she said, uh, I, I came down and I, I, I just laughed and went, ha, 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 She said, no, I want it to be more of that word. It's more like an evil laugh. So I came down and I tried to do the evil laugh and she said, look, can you just go back up the stairs? Look out, there's a lot of us out here, okay? Look out at somebody that you would love to kill. And I thought, well, that's easy. That's you. She's talking, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I came down the stairs and I looked at her and I gave this evil laugh like. <laughs> she said, okay, thank you. I thought, oh man, that was easy. Then she said, okay, sing this song. Um, the piano player has, is going to give you the music. And it was in French, German, and English. <laughs> and I said to him, is she serious? He said, yeah. I said, I, I can't even pronounce these words. I could barely speak English. I'm going to speak <laughs> yeah. German and French. He said, can you read music? I said, yeah, I could read some music. He said, just do anything. Let sounds come out. So he gave me the intro, and I this is what I did, literally. 
and I did that whole thing. And so he did it for like eight or 16 bars. And she said, okay, thank you. And um, I thought, what a waste of my time and her time. <laughs> so I walked out and uh, the next day I come to, to class and walking past the theater and there's all these kids in the drama club and everything and they're all looking to see what the if the name was on it so they got the part and i'm thinking i hope i didn't get a part i don't think i did but i hope i didn't get a part so as i'm walking past this guy says to me hey dennis don't you want to look at the uh, at the list i said nah it's all right he said your name's on it i said what <laughs> your name is on it i said for what he said come look it was the MC's part, one of the leads. <laughs> and I looked at that, I said, no way, this is a joke. And so I went to her room and I said, why is my name on that list? She said, um, how about saying thank you? I said, thank you for what? She said, you have a lead role in this. And I'm thinking, I don't want, a <laughs> I don't want any role in this. All right, so let me cut to the chase. So we start having rehearsals. Now I am so nervous. I've never sang with a 16-piece orchestra. So that was nerve-wracking. And plus, you know, these, these people were smart, you know. I'm, you know, and they're musicians. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm working with uh, professors. I've never done this before. And, um, okay, so opening night. I don't know what came over me. But somebody dropped a scarf in the middle. So the opening came with the singers and the dancers. Then they left. There was a scarf, and it was a red scarf. And the audience saw it. On stage. On stage. So I come out. The music is playing. And, and I come out, and I picked it up. I don't know why I did this. And I wrapped it around my neck, and I pushed it back, and I went, ha! and I started singing in German French and English and at the I had a blast I mean I had a blast at the end we got a standing ovation and I said this is what I want to do for the rest of my life that is so cool man yeah so then I started doing more plays and auditioning my first big movie was Raging Bull starring Robert De Niro Joe Pesci and the director was Martin Scorsese. That, that's a big name. That's a big movie. Yeah. And I, I remember it was at a theater in Manhattan. That's where we had to walk to. And I remember it, it was like a movie and I could still see it so clear today. I'm walking down the alleyway and I saw all these actors and people sitting down getting their haircuts and they're doing the hair and makeup and wardrobe and it was an amazing feeling and so i was hired as as a sailor but it was a a background role but when they found out that i could dance they they asked me can you do the lindy swing i said it's one of my favorites so i did the lindy swing they had the camera on me and everything and it was great that's awesome it was great so then, you know, I started doing all the soap operas in New York and uh, started doing commercials and getting some nice roles. I became Robin Williams' stunt double. 
And uh, yeah, r- r- uh, Paul had mentioned that. Yeah, that's so something we're going to have to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. But you know, I, I we would meet up at. I have such great memories. We would meet up at the Screen Actors Guild. It was on Forty Sixth Street, off Broadway. And about seven of us would meet up there nine ten o'clock with our coffee, and we'd look at the board to see all the auditions and all the agents we could go to. So we started out like nine ten o'clock in the morning, and we'd do our rounds. The rounds were you walk around to this around the city to all these offices, all these auditions, give you he- your headshot, uh, picture and resume. You either do the audition or you set up a time for the audition. And we just had a blast. Then we'd go to lunch all together. And that was our day, five days a week. Hmm. That's what we did. And it was just like, I felt like God was creating a script for my life. Um, And then, you know, all these years later, I have all these great stories. You know, I mean, really great stories. I was in a movie, a, a TV movie with Betty Davis, who... My f- my father, my mother, I, my brothers, I mean, they would watch all these old movies. And so I grew up watching Betty Davis. Right. And now here I am in a movie with Betty Davis. And I have a really great story. Uh, I remember coming back from lunch and I was sitting on, on the set and I was at a table and just sitting there. And I looked up and I saw this, this shadow walking back and forth on where they're going to film next. And um, I didn't know who it was. And somebody came up and said, Miss Davis, can I have your autograph? This is what she did. She was walking back and forth, going over her lines, going over the block blocking. Kind of in the middle of something? Yes. Even though it was, on, <laughs> it was still the lunch break, she was, yeah, in the middle of something. She looked at her and said, not while I'm working. And she continued, and I went, oh. And I loved Betty Davis. And I didn't care how tough she was. I didn't care what people thought of her. I still loved her. I didn't care how rude she was. I still loved her. So later that day, there was a break. It was a coffee break. And she was literally having coffee. I walked over to her and I said, Miss Davis, not now, but I'm here for the next two weeks. I'm playing a family member of yours. If I could get your autograph for my wife, that would be great, but not now. And she said, don't leave. What's your wife's name? I said, Carmen. She said, Carmen, come to my trailer at 7 a.m. tomorrow. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I walked away and I thought, was there a camera on me or something? <laughs> okay, so the next day, I get there early. I wait till exactly 7 a.m. because I don't want to get her upset. I knock on the door. This black maid opens the door and says, and she was so nice. Yes, honey, can I help you? I said, well, my name is Dennis O'Neill. Miss Davis told me to come here. And she said, oh, honey, Miss Davis is getting prepared. And then I hear Betty Davis's voice say, who is it, Mabel? And she said, what's your name, honey? I said, Dennis O'Neill. It's Mr. Dennis O'Neill, ma'am. And she said, have him wait right there. And she said, wait right here. She closes the, closes the door. I'm waiting and waiting. All of a sudden, the door opens. Betty Davis hands me an envelope and says, 
for Carmen. And I take it. I said, thank you. She closed the door. I go to the, the holding area. It was a, uh, an 8 by 10 picture of her. And she said, for Carmen, Betty Davis. <laughs> I went, oh. I still ha- have it hanging up in my You better, yeah. My house. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I have stories like that. Do you remember who Donald O'Connor was? Uh, maybe if I saw a picture. Okay, so he was a huge song and dance man. Um, he was in these movies with Gene Kelly. Uh, he was on Broadway, uh, Bye Bye Birdie. Okay. He played the lead, the lead agent. And um, I had a part-time job as a, a waiter at Wolf's Deli because I lived on 57th Street and 8th Avenue, and Wolf's Deli was on 56th Street, uh, 57th Street and 6th Avenue. And so, um, and Donald O'Connor was once, like 30 years later, was once again in Bye Bye Birdie, but he was playing a different role. And uh, it was another lead role, and he was, it was on Broadway. So he came there for lunch or dinner, and he was in my station. And some of the other younger guys didn't recognize him because I grew up in a family that was always into entertainment. So I knew who all these people were, even though I was very young when I saw them. And I said, oh, my God, that's that's Donald O'Connor. And so I'm taking the order and I kept looking over at him thinking, I can't believe Donald O'Connor is <laughs> sitting here. And I'm taking all their orders. And uh, <clears throat> so I delivered their food. And I said, uh, Mr. O- Mr. O'Connor, I never do this, but um, do you think at some point you could just give me your autograph on a napkin? So, and he said, um, what's your name? I said, Dennis O'Neill. He said, Dennis O'Neill. No. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very sorry. He said, uh, it's okay. He said, you spell your name with two L's? I said, yes, I do. Now I'm in. I know I'm in trouble. So I go back, and anyway, he leaves. I come to work the next day. My manager says, "Dennis, come here." What happened with Donald O'Connor yesterday? I said, "Morty, I never do this, but the guy's a legend. I grew up watching him. Like my family loved him." He said, "And what? So what did you ask him?" I said, "Morty, I'll never do it again." I'll never do it again. I asked him for his autograph. And Morty looked at me. He went, (sighs) turns around, hands me an envelope. (laughs) Another manila envelope. And I opened it up in front of Morty and it said, to my friend, Dennis O'Neill, I want to see that name in lights. I went, and I closed it. Later that night, I'm getting the chills. Later that night, I'm waiting on him again. And I said, Mr. O'Connor, thank you so much. That was so nice of you. He said, what are you doing tomorrow night? I said, um, I'm working till five. He said, oh, did you see Bye Bye Birdie? I said, no. He said, would you like to? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, do you want two tickets? I said, no, my wife's working, so one ticket would be great. He said, okay, go to Will Call and there'll be a ticket for you. He said, at the end, when you leave, come around to 46th Street to the stage door and make sure you tell them I want to see you in my dressing room. I said, uh, 
Okay. Go to the theater. Right in the middle. I mean, I had the best seat. So it was almost like eye level <laughs> of all of them performing. So at the end, I go around to stage door and um, knock on it. This guy comes out. He says, can I help you? I said, well, Mr. O'Connor wanted to see me. He said, Mr. O'Connor's busy. He's got his family upstairs. I said, well, he told me to, that he wanted to see me. He said, what's your name? I said, Dennis O'Neill. He said, wait here. Goes upstairs, comes back down and says, Mr. O'Neill, Mr. O'Connor would like to see you. Go upstairs, knocks on the door. Donald O'Connor opens up the door and says, my new friend, Dennis O'Neill, come on in. This is my <laughs> wife. This is my daughter. Have a seat. You want something to drink? Water, Coke or anything? I said, yeah, water. Had a great conversation with him. And things like that throughout my life have happened with these great legendary stars. That's awesome. Yeah. I like hearing these stories. You know, that um, some some people that I sit down with have got so many of them, you don't know where to start, but you, you've got yeah. a, a, a way of uh, telling these stories in a way that's uh, understandable and digestible. You know, every once in a while, I'll sit down with somebody, and I, I actually, we had this, a similar setup with Ken Scott, who you probably know. Ken Scott. Uh, where do I know that name? He's an actor as well. Um, he was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yes, I yeah, do it's know. A, it's a yeah. friend of Paul's, so I figured maybe y'all. I know each of other, them. but yeah. Um, you know, you just you just know they've got stories, and it takes a minute to sit down and find a way to get those stories out. Yeah, because you you forget sometimes you don't know what you what you remember. Yeah, you're right. But you got to sit down, you got to kind of dig these stories out. And, you know, and it's when I tell these stories, I start thinking of all these other stories. Right, you right. know, when I met Robert De Niro, um, you know, he wasn't talkative on the set. <laughs> and uh, so you, you didn't have a chance to meet him. And so while we were working on Raging Bull, I was still background. So I wasn't a dancer yet uh, on it. And... Um, I remember taking a shower and we had a very long day, almost a 16 hour day. It was 15 and a half hours and I was drenched. It was in July and all the air conditioning was off. I went home, took a shower and I just took a walk on Broadway because you know, after something like that, you can't go to sleep right away. Sure. And um, so I just took a walk and I passed this uh, restaurant called The Saloon and there was Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci sitting outside with their makeup on so people didn't recognize them. But I was working with them all day. And I thought, this might be my chance. <laughs> I walked over to him and um, I just knelt down. I said, listen, Bobby. And I knew my brother, my brother had him over his house. Uh -huh. Okay. And he liked to call... He wanted to be called Bobby. So I, I said to my brother, why didn't you invite me? He said, he didn't want anybody over because my brother, who passed away 10 years ago, was married to Jacqueline LaMotta, Jake LaMotta's daughter. Okay. So De Niro was doing the life story of Jake LaMotta, the boxer. And so that's really how I got in it. And, um, but anyway, so I went over to him and I knelt down. I said, listen, Bobby, I'm looking around. I said... I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but all I need is just a little 
a little push on this movie, maybe one word. And he's sitting there with his hand up, his finger up on his temple like this. And he's listening to me doing that thing with his mouth. Then he said, I know what you need. I said, really? He said, listen, I know what you need. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I said, look, thank you very much. And I left. He didn't do anything for me. <laughs> so he didn't mention me. He didn't say anything. And I told him who I was. My brother is married to Jacqueline. And, you know, Jake Lamont is his father-in-law. And he didn't care. He didn't care. And, and you know, Joe Pesci was sitting there patiently. And I, I looked at Joe. I said, yeah, thanks, Joe. Nice working with you guys. And Joe just gave me a, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's on par with how I would expect those two characters to, to respond, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought he was going to at least say to me, yo, you're good. Listen <laughs> to me. You're very, very good. I say you're good. But he didn't say that. So, <laughs> so um, I think you mentioned earlier that you moved into education. Yeah. Is that true? So what what, uh, what did you do in uh, education? Well, after I got my after I got my degree, my associate's degree, I graduated with honors, which was a I mean that's that's out of left field. I was always a stupid kid. I mean, I did stupid things, you know. I always failed tests in school. I really don't even know how I made it to my senior year, except my senior year, I really worked in my junior year to get there. Um, but even that, that was so painful. Um, so when I moved here, I started to go to UTA. I just thought, let me see how it goes. And, and I knew if I committed to UTA even for one course, then that's it. I'm going to go and get my bachelor's degree. And no one in my family ever got a college degree. So I started taking all my courses, and I loved going to school. I really loved it. Then I realized, wow, I'm pretty smart. And I never, <laughs> you know, I never had anybody tell me that. But I realized it because I started getting A's and, and B's in school and I was really studying and I loved studying. I loved doing the research. So, but I knew I couldn't graduate in four years because I couldn't go full time. Yeah. So I spoke to the, um, the head of the theater department. He said, well, what are you gonna be doing in five years? I said, probably what I'm doing now, except maybe a little more. He said, so just do it. So 16 years later, I graduated from UTA because <laughs> I took a course every either every year or every semester, mm -hmm. and I finally graduated. Is that a record? You think? Um, I think so because <laughs> it was a total of twenty-five years in school. Damn! Because it yeah. took me ten years to get through uh, my associate's degree. Yeah. So it must be some kind of a. Record. <laughs> hey, but you got it done. That's I got what's it done. Important. Yeah. So as soon as I got my degree, I went to Fort Worth ISD and I signed up. Uh, took these tests and passed everything. And the um, the 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 background check. I had to tell them, you know, I was busted for marijuana. It was seeds. They really busted me for seeds. And they said, "Don't worry about it." So I started teaching, and. Um, the first year, I was teaching um, middle school students, and it was kind of a love-hate relationship because 
I loved it. I loved teaching it, but I didn't like people telling me what to do. That yeah. was so because all these years I've worked for myself. So to have somebody tell me what to do, what I can't do. I, don't, I didn't mind them telling me what I can do, but when they started saying, and you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you have to have these um, these programs for the kids, and you know, and then it, I realized this is a 24-hour-a-day job, man. Yeah. And then I, I had a run-in. One of the kids um, stole some cookies from my desk, and I really didn't care. Because I did the same thing. So I just turned to him, and I was half smiling. I said, did you take my cookies? The kids started cursing at me, and I thought, wait a minute. You might get away with that with your mother or your father or your siblings. You don't get away with that with me. So I got up, and I said, you shut your mouth. And the kid started cursing louder. The gym teacher was passing by, and he looked in. He said, hey, what's going on? And I said, well, you heard him, right? He said, yeah, you want me to bring him to the gym? I said, yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I went to the gym in 15 minutes. The kid was sitting on, and he was a football player. He was sitting on the floor. And I said, don't you ever talk to me like that ever again. He got up and he pushed me, his hands on my chest. So my Brooklyn came out. I put my arm up on his chest and I cocked back. I said, don't you dare. The gym teacher came running over and he said, I got this, I got this. He said, I'll come to your room in a minute. So he came to my room later. He said, you can't do that. I said, wait, do what? You saw the kid push me, right? He said, yeah, but you can't retaliate. Yeah. I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me kids could push you around? You can't do anything? He said, you could report it. I said, no. That's For context, what year was this? This is 2017. Yeah. Yep. So and at that point, how long had you been teaching? That was my first year. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So I went to the office to report it to um, the principal. And she knew, she knew my background because in the interview, she said to me, what makes you think that you're qualified to teach these kids? And it was a mostly Hispanic, black school, maybe 3 4% white which, you know, I grew up in a black and Puerto Rican neighborhood in the Gowanus Projects. Mm -hmm. And that's what I told her. I said, you know, I came from nothing. And, you know, I was, I was, I was a, a troubled kid. I was always in trouble. Um, you know, I wasn't a smart kid. I said, but then, you know, I, I applied myself and I graduated with honors. So she said, okay, you're hired. So when I went to report this to her, the assistant principal was in there. And I told him the story, and the assistant principal said, well, that's not what we heard. It's going to be investigated. And I said to her, yeah, but I'm the teacher, and I have a witness. She said, it's still going to be investigated. Then she gives me a book. The book said on, on the cover, how to deal with kids in poverty. I looked at this. I looked at her, and I looked at the principal, how to deal with kids in poverty. I grew up in poverty. And I looked at it. I said, okay, thanks. I walked out. The next day I went to Fort Worth ASD and I turned in my letter of resignation. They said, do you want to quit? Now I said, no, no, no. I, I gave my word. I'll go to the end of the semester. And that was it. Yeah. So I will substitute now. I don't mind substituting because now I could pick the schools. Yeah. I'll tell you, the best grade, third grade. Really? They are the best. Somebody told me, go into elementary schools and you'll have a blast. I said, no, no. 
I don't want to do that. Then I just thought I'd try it. I fell in love with these kids. <laughs> so I love going into it. And, you know, when I do go into um, high, in high schools or middle schools, I share my testimony with them of where I came from and all the things I've done. And I was Robin Williams' stunt double, worked with Joe Pesci. And when I do my Pesci impersonation, they think I'm really Joe Pesci. And I tell them, no, I'm really not. <laughs> so, you know, with the high schoolers, I could say, I make you laugh? How do I make you laugh? What, am I funny? Am I a clown? Do I amuse you? No, you said I make you laugh. How do I make you laugh? And I keep the curse words out of it because you <laughs> yeah. can't curse to these kids, although you really can, but, well, they can anyway. Yeah, that's really Dude. good, man. <laughs> I can't remember what movie that's from, but I, I remember Good Goodfellas, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. You can't remember Goodfellas? <laughs> oh, you have your big your big show over here, your big podcast, and you can't remember stupid a stupid movie, <laughs> Goodfellas. All right, Joe, all right. <laughs> I'll take it back. <laughs> All right, then I'm not going to wait for you outside. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. And Thank we've you. got, uh, you know, we don't always have to bug Rod, uh, Paul Rogers over here at Nexum Creative. We've got a brick and mortar location not too far from here. So you're always welcome to come in and uh, have a drink with me and tell your stories. And Oh, that'd be great. I, yeah. I, I think I we do. could probably get another... 50, 60, 100 hours out of you. We could. And if I didn't shut my mouth, I could have talked about bailout more, but that that's okay. So we got two episodes completed on bailout, oh. uh, right? Isn't that what well, you said? Oh, yes, yes. And we're heading into our third, but I'm going to do a podcast bailout with Paul here. Okay. So it'll be like the show. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear all the actors and, uh, cool. you know, as we're walking up to the door, we'll have all the dialogue. It'll be scripted. And he made a suggestion. He suggested that to me. I thought I would have a podcast like this, mm -hmm. but in character with all the characters. Yeah. Just talking. But he said, have you ever thought of this? And then he told me the idea. I said, no, I never thought of that. Paul's got good ideas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he really does. <laughs> so, and he even said, you know, we can, you know, you can have it for 22 minutes and then the next, say, 10 minutes, you can do it, um, you can have, a, you know, a roundabout just yeah. talking about it. So, are y'all going to release these episodes anytime soon or are you going to wait until you're finished with the Well, one season? is already, one is already on YouTube. Okay. It's called I Am Lorenzo Lamas, okay. Bail Out two words okay. so if your listeners go to i am lorenzo lamas bail out they'll get to see it or if they go to bailouttv.com it's on there okay and i'll make sure those links are in the description it's going to be a few weeks until we get this one out so if yeah. anything changes let me know and i'll make sure to add it to the show notes and oh okay more links and stuff like that but that's exciting stuff man if y'all ever need a extra set of hands hold a camera or something let me know Serious? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> Just yeah. let me know. <laughs> so wh what else do you do? Or should I ask you later? No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, everybody knows, I think, that watches the show, but I'm a truck driver. Oh, uh, man. For now. Truck drivers make really good money, you know. That's the only reason I'm still doing it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 like heard. you, I, I dropped out of uh, high school. I got my GED, never went to college. Uh, but I have that CDL. So for me, it's I'm kind of oh, trapped. Man. you know, Because there's nothing else I can do and make this kind of money. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, you're right. So, you're but right. yeah, it is, it's good money. It's uh, And it's not it's not a bad gig. You know, it's not hard work. It's, yeah, you don't have anybody over your shoulder telling yeah. you what to do. And, well, 
sometimes you got a little camera in there that watches you all the time. That's right. Yeah. I just spoke to um, a dispatcher, mm-hmm. and he was telling me all of it. Yeah, you're right. You're it's, right. It's it's gotten kind of silly. Wow. So, anyway, and I have worked for myself in the past, so I understand what you're talking about, like how hard it is. Um, once you've been on your own and done your own thing, how hard it is for somebody to um, accept that don't do this, do this kind of yeah. back and forth shit. It, It'll get on your nerves real quick whenever you've uh, been the guy making the calls and all the decisions. Yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, as as the producer, writer, director, and actor, but as the producer and director, uh, you know, I've had as much as uh, 100 people under me. Yeah. And I, I never boss people around. I always ask them to do things. And, you know, we just have a blast. And there's never, I never want pressure. And a lot of times I'll say, okay, before we start, does anybody have any jokes to open up? <laughs> and um, so we make it fun. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd, you'd, You'd be a blast to have on the set. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. I'm um, always trying to find different things that I can do to kind of connect myself with the Fort Worth community. And um, I've been offering to help other people with their creative endeavors for a while. And uh, if if you want me to help out, you'd be the first one to take me up on that offer. So I will. Yeah, I definitely will. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, do you have any social media that you want uh, us to direct the fans towards? Well, bailouttv.com. Um, let me see what else. You know, I'm I'm trying to get a, a handle on this social not, social media crap. Yeah, <laughs> not so much Twitter because it's getting so political, but yeah. Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's I really want to learn about. So if anybody out there can teach me, I think Paul's the the dude to help us out with that. Oh, really? Oh, hell yeah! Yeah, oh, okay. Paul, Paul's very social media savvy. Oh, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, Dennis, thank you again. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll see you next week, Fort Worth Roots. Dennis O'Neill, thank you for being part of the Fort Worth Roots podcast. We want to get you in studio over here on the other side of town at the Fort Worth Roots studio to uh, catch up and get some more of these cool stories. You can't just do a one-off with somebody that's got that many stories. That's not how it works. Folks, make sure you check out in the links uh, for the description on this episode. We're going to have Bailout, the web series that we were talking about and he described in this episode. I'm also going to include a link for that uh, video I played during the episode, his first ever acting gig. It was hilarious to watch. A little bit of an adult warning here. This is not a video you want your children to see as uh, Dennis illustrated in this episode he didn't want his students to see it but uh that's the power of the internet nothing is a secret anymore can't hide anything all right what do we got roofing solutions by darren hauck is the sponsor of the fort worth roots podcast you can find them at roofing solutions by darren hauck excuse me roofing solutions and he will give you that 50 percent off that roofing tune-up just by mentioning the fort worth roots podcast reach them at 817-882-6520 hey if you just moved to north texas you don't know this yet um this is the worst place to have a roof you need a good roofer and that's why we were excited to partner with roofing solutions by darren hauck because they have a sterling reputation they do this stuff all the time. They've got awards from everybody you can think of, and they have a great rating. Uh, Better Business Bureau, Google, whatever. Just do your own homework if you want to. But um, we don't just sponsor. We don't just accept sponsorship from anybody. We want the best of the best. And Darren Hauk and his team at Roofing Solutions by Darren Hauk, 
they got it covered. 817-882-6520. And you really do need to think about having one of these roofing tune-ups so that you can protect your uh, most valuable asset, your home, right? That roof starts leaking, you got problems. Woodpost Metalworks, woodpostmetalworks.com is where you can go. And at checkout, if you'll hit uh, podcast 817, uh, you'll save 10% off of this. Plasma cutting, light industrial uh, steel work, steel fabrication. Uh, they've been doing a lot of signs for businesses lately. So if you got a business and you need some new signs, either interior or exterior, these folks can put whatever you can dream up on metal. It's going to last a lifetime. And uh, keep Fort Worth dollars in Fort Worth pockets, right? So support your local people. You know you want people coming to your store uh, here locally. Don't you want to support a local business too? Yeah, you do. Aside from all that goodwill and stuff, they have some incredible products. They know exactly what they're doing. And uh, like I said, you can get 10% off. Woodpostmetalworks.com. It's not just for businesses. they got some cool stuff in there. Wonderful gift ideas. I'm always talking about their smoke pits. Um, you break them down. they got pins, and you pull them, and it collapses. It lays flat. You can take it with you wherever you go. Say you're going camping, you're going to a tailgate party, whatever. When you get there, and this can be customized however you want it, you pull it out of the truck, car, whatever. It's not big enough that it can't be transported in a car unfold it put the pins back in and now you got a fire pit it's pretty dope i like it there's a usmc and i'm an army guy but the marine corps one looks pretty dope so anyway check that out woodpostmetalworks.com don't forget your 10 percent off at checkout podcast 817 Hauk, holy crap what was that okay we're good Hauk walker originals you can go to haukwalker.com and do i have one of these cups in here i do and the video is not rolling right now, but I'm going to pull it out of the case. I keep one here in the shop at the studio, and it's just this really badass tumbler that they bought and then made all custom-like for me. Fort Worth Roots. It's got the logo on there, and you're supposed to have like a specific type of format uh, for an image in order for it to get put on uh, an object like this. I didn't have that. But she took my logo from like a regular old PDF, and she created a very, very clean-looking uh, rendition of my logo on this cup with their laser etcher. The reason I tell you that story is because they know what they're doing. So hit them up, and it's more than just laser etching. They do woodworking and all sorts of cool stuff. Great gift ideas. Go check out their website. It's haukwalker.com. Thank you to our sponsors. I don't have any announcements this week. Um, I'm being boring, you know. I gotta be boring sometimes. We don't have anything coming up. Um, there are things working in the background. There's ideas and stuff. There, there are plans afoot. We're just not there yet. We've got uh, lots of details to cover before I start telling you about our next event, but we do have stuff coming up. And the River Oak Spring Fest Car Show is probably gonna be the next big thing that we're doing. And I think there's a date on this. I'll, I need to start putting this in the show notes. We do have a date. I don't have it in front of me. It would take too long for me to look up. But you can look up the River Oak Spring Fest Car Show. Uh, they have their own page on Facebook. And we will be posting that stuff like crazy on our Facebook page, which is Fort Worth Roots on Facebook. It's Fort Worth Roots on everything, just to be clear. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And uh, if you ever wanted to see more goofy stuff because you don't get enough goofy stuff in your diet... Our TikTok page is our dumpster. I put all the stupid stuff that I do in our TikTok page. I'm actually making a video right now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. There's a lot of cussing in it, but I might put it on TikTok. Uh, Fort Worth Roots is how you find that TikTok page. And um, this video I made today was uh, of me doing the intro and outro thing. And I'm going to have to watch it and just make sure that my cussing wasn't too out of control because what you don't hear whenever I do these intros and outros is... 
uh, dozens and dozens of minutes of me just messing up, screwing up, saying stupid stuff, uh, cussing at Mr. Creepy. He doesn't deserve that, Mr. Creepy. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's a whole process, and I, I actually videoed it today. I'm not sure why I did that. I think I had a point, and then I forgot what it was, but that might be on the TikTok page. Follow us. Whatever social media platform that you're looking at whenever you're letting your legs fall asleep on the toilet, that's where I want you to follow me. Okay, That's the one you're paying attention to. Get your information there. We are most active on Facebook uh, for the Fort Worth Roots. So if you want information on our artists, um, whenever they got gigs coming up, uh, maybe they're playing at Jamelli's, they're over there at Woodshed, they're playing at Attico. Why did I just name off three Tim Love restaurants? I, don't know, I guess that's where my head's at. I uh, went and checked out Bird and Branch or Branch and Bird yesterday. That was really cool. They've got a badass open uh, patio. I think you're on like the 10th, 11th, 12th, 15th floor or something like that. Great view. Go check that out. Uh, they're not a sponsor. They're not actually involved with the podcast at all. It's just where I had dinner, and it was great. Great view. Decent food. Not. I'm not going to tell you the food was exceptional, but do go ready to spend a dollar or two. It was not cheap. Um, great view. Great view. Wonderful staff. They had a gentleman there playing live acoustic musics, and it was really good. So worth your time. Uh, branch and bird, bird and branch, something like that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going to put it in the show notes. So anyway, good luck figuring that out. Okay. I'm just rambling. If this is your first time listening to the Fort Worth Roots podcast, this is what I do. Everything else is supposed to be pretty clean and professional and stuff. And then at the end of it, I just get to ramble and tell you things. Um, had Sam Esquivel from the Feld podcast in here today. That was fun. We did a little recording. I got to show him the mobile podcast studio. If you guys have not seen... Uh, or heard me talk about the mobile podcast studio. We just recently purchased a ginormous box truck and we are going to be modding that thing out so that we have a very comfortable, very professional looking uh, mobile podcast studio. So, and we are looking for sponsorships still. This thing is a giant billboard and we want to put, you know, reputable businesses uh, information on the side of this thing. So if you'd like to help us bring this thing to life and uh, advertise your business in the process, uh, I'm about that. We're, we're here for it. Is that what Chad says? I think he changed it to uh, I'm there for it because we got tired of hearing him say I'm here for it. So anyway. Oh, happy birthday to Susie. I was out there this weekend at Lola's. Compliments of uh, Dustin Snyder from the Jerry Jones Sound Massacre invited me out to play surprise whenever Susie came around the corner. Uh, she looked surprised. I think we pulled it off. I think Dustin did a really good job. Uh, Susie is from uh, uh, Fort Worth Famous. And Dustin Snyder, JJTM. We had a lot of cool people out there. Uh, the Funky Panther was there. Had uh, uh, Chad and Tim. Javier, of course, was MIA. But anyway, cheers, Javier. We'll see you next time. All right, that's it. I have rambled enough. Thank you all very much for being a part of the show. Every single time you listen to even one episode of the Fort Worth Roots, shows up on our analytics and it makes it easier for us to uh, reach a broader audience. So uh, believe it or not, just listening is supporting the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Oh, last thing. I swear to God, last thing. I'm going to show the little camera here. Uh, Sam Esquivel has presented uh, the Fort Worth Roots podcast with uh, the trophy. We are the winners of You're the Best 2022 uh, presented by the Feld Podcast for the Fort Worth Roots. I'm holding a little trophy here um, for this, this camera. This video that I don't know what I'm going to do with. We'll see if I use it at all. Okay. That's it. I love you. Y'all have a good week, and I will see you next Monday. Peace.